you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. David, football, football, David. The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. Welcome to the Dave Damashek Football Program. Available as always on iTunes, Stitcher, and at NFL.com slash Shek. S-H-E-K, Shek, Shek, Shek. Week two, just about in the books. We're coming at you at 4.20 p.m. I don't know what that means. Neither do I, but I've seen the kids or heard the kids do that. On uh, on Monday evening out here on the West Coast in the nerve center of the NFL in Culver City, California, we are awaiting the kickoff, the Eagles at the Colts, and we are joined to review all the rest of week two. We basically have what the what the weekend it was looks like and save like I say this final matchup here so who better to kibitz with like we do at the start of every week or I guess the end of every football weekend or the start of a new weekend whatever he is the host of his very own podcast now the move the sticks podcast here at nfl.com also available on iTunes and Stitcher you see him all over the network you see him all over NFL now it's move the sticks himself Daniel Jeremiah what's the poop fella What's going on, Dave? Nothing. Listen, I thought it was a it was a grand weekend of football. And, you know, listen, I'm going to say up front and then we move on from it. More ugliness, Adrian Peterson. You know what? I don't know. Maybe you are a lawyer, DJ, and uh, I'm not aware of it either. I don't want to get into legal. So I just want to talk about football. How about that? Is that That's cool with you? With fine let's with do it. And let's dig in to let's play uh, something you and I have talked about over the last uh, six, eight months here is. Uh, the idea of because you have a sunny disposition by nature, you 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 don't because seem... I'm wearing cargo shorts. I don't know today. about that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. By the way, what you know? It's a hundred. It, I live in in Temecula, yeah. Marietta area. It's a hundred plus. It was. I just didn't want to have the jeans and you sit in a leather seat. It's a long drive up here. Yeah. 
but, this, but that's at your home, right? That's in your casual, you know, downtime in your but, personal. But time. in the transition from mm-hmm. home to work today, look, I've never really been a shorts to work guy, and I noticed by looking around today that nor is anybody else in that building. No, this but is a place today, of business. Was, that's today, why. But today I was willing to take that risk. You know. <laughs> All right. Whatever listen. capital I have built, I cashed it in today. Bygones are here by bygones, and I want to talk about. Uh, well, no, 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 no. Before we get to football. Go ahead. Before we get to football. Lay it on me. So since I have a podcast now, and since I technically kind of am a, a spinoff, right? Cause I I've suppose. Been, yeah. So you have not only. I have, you a, have a coaching tree. tree you have right. a tree. You have a podcast tree now. I really do. So around the league, guys. Yes. Who else do you got? You. Um, the I, there, There's one more I think I'm forgetting about. That might be it. Not the coach's show. I can't take credit for so, Billick doing a show. What is my – I just want to know, like, in my – Frazier. You're Laverne. My, I'm Laverne. Yeah. Laverne and Shirley. You're my uh, Laverne DeFazio okay. to uh, to my Fonzie or okay. Fonzarelli. That's right. I can I, that's Laverne. that's a good. I like that. I'm I'm, I'm the Fonz of NFL podcast. I'm going to start wearing a cursive D on my shirts when I come in here. <laughs> Why has no one in history ever done that? By the way, that was a pretty Laverne for all the kids out there. Laverne and Shirley. She always had a cursive L stitched into her clothing. That's a weird thing that no one picked I, up on. That that's a great move. I also like that in Three's Company, Mr. Roper would crack wise at the expense of his uh, of his wife and his best zinger of every episode. He would break from the scene and find the single camera and stare into it and smile, and then they would just go back to the scene and continue as though he hadn't just broken the fourth wall. Nice. No one's ever done that one either. I'm surprised by that. All right, we can do football now. Okay, let's get into football. <laughs> Are you tired of, of me? That was uh, fun. I just wanted to get that out there. Did you did, you been watching some good TV shows while you wait for football? No, no, I haven't seen any TV. Oh, listen, I recommend. I'm the an Nick. HGTV guy. That's that's basically the it. Nick is fantastic stuff. And talk about getting ready for NFL football on Sunday. Great weekend or great Saturday, especially at night of college football. Hopefully, we'll have time to kibitz about that. But a few questions as we get into it. Let's do glass half empty, glass yep. half full here with a bunch of teams with players. And so on, like I say, you have a sunnier disposition than I, so maybe you can try and be positive, and then I'll bring my usual snarky cynicism or whatever cool. to it and try and – The truth and, lies and, somewhere in the middle. Yeah, probably with that. Real quick, though, because we can talk about this Eli Manning business, and Oof. it's hard to be positive about that, so I'm not going to put you on the spot and try to do that. Instead, let's think of a way – I mean, I really do believe – I was talking to TJ Hushmanzada last week – and I bring him up because I like to name drop, but also because he made an interesting point that I've made too. This might be Eli Manning's last season under center in New York. You're not alone in that. I mean, kind of the the thing I keep hearing, just you talk to people and they're speculating. Obviously, we're two weeks into the season. We'll see see where it goes. Maybe this thing gets turned around, but as people say, hey, I wouldn't be surprised if next year, if you're looking at new quarterback, new general manager, mm-hmm. new head coach, just a whole new, a whole new era for the Giants. So that would mean that maybe if 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 the because I really feel like what you saw in week two from a lot of teams, more teams than not who were zero and one, that they sense that their backs were up against a wall and they really needed the Cowboys. To, for yeah, example. a lot of yeah. teams. I I feel like I mean the Chargers. You yep. know, they, they I felt surprised by them losing in Arizona. The Patriots, and yet I thought they were gonna. I did. I did say. Did I not black tie behind the glass? I said. 
that the Chargers were going to take a run at the Seahawks. I said it on the podcast last week with uh, when, we, when we were making our picks. Damon Shrek's a genius. Thank you, A.J. Hawk. And we're going to be talking with our pal A.J. Hawk in just a little while. They got off the schneid, did the Packers. They bounced back. At, before now, I'm bouncing all over the place. But you are all. I, love, I mean, normally you're normally all over the place. Today, you're especially you're, so. I get excited. I this is one on one time you with were DJ. You jumping right into the podcast, and then I did the whole spinoff thing, and you've I yet was to ready recover. To roll. You haven't uh, recovered. So, so you know who's to blame? You. Exactly. Don't listen. Don't. Uh, all right, get your train of thought. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Right, my first question to you is: Before we get to Eli, and before we start playing glass half empty, uh, glass half full, let's trade Eli right now. Where does where would wow. you? Where would you trade Eli? And look, in in a lot of professional sports leagues, if things aren't working out, if things are a bad fit, and the season is still salvageable, Ooh, I'll give you a team. Go ahead, Tampa Bay. All right, and then and then you send Mike Lennon up to New York. That seems like a uh, winning trade for both sides. <laughs> well, you'd have to send. I think you'd send more than Mike Lennon. I know Eli struggled, but still, uh, with his resume, it would it would cost you a pick and. A player and something else. So our fictitious. Why do we trade. hear about this? You, you, you. I like this trade. Former scout, former scout of the Ravens, Eagles, and Browns. Why don't we hear more trades in the NFL? It's complicated with the money and everything else that comes with it. Teams are loath to part with draft picks because all the best teams. That's how they're built through the draft. So people don't want to part with those. And now you've got a quarterback who's declining, who's on the wrong side of thirty. Um, you know, it can be tricky. It can be a tricky move. Who's got a lot of money? coming to him so that but i like that just take all that other stuff out of it just yes. a team that you put him with now they are not very good up front that's going to be a little bit of a problem because eli is not the most mobile guy but having those big guys outside what eli does best is throw the ball down the field and when you look at what the two guys they have there with mike evans and with vincent jackson yeah not a bad not a bad fit well but what i know christian ponder is no uh you know is no victory for anybody to get but if you're really desperate for a quarterback why aren't the Vikings incented to part ways with Ponder? Take him, please. Maybe he'll be good enough for your team to win an extra game or two, and then we'll finish lower in the standings but who are the and we'll teams, get a higher pick than who you are, Who are the teams that are dying for a quarterback, though? Because ah. most of them have a young guy on campus. They're just trying to either buy their time. That's, to me, my question from the weekend, watching these games, Dave, and I'm jumping all your glass half That's full, fine. half empty, everything. Jacksonville. And I, I, I kind of said this from the beginning. I know that they're intended on redshirting Blake Bortles for the whole year, and they want to hold out as long as they can. They got 148 yards of offense. Uh, listen, Chad Henney got sacked 10 times. Preaching to the choir on Blake Bortles. I've been calling for this forever. Either way, you're not going to the Super Bowl. I understand this redshirt mentality in the NFL, especially the thing that's surprising about it is, is that Gus Bradley came from Seattle. You yeah. the model, and he seems like he's literally trying taking pieces from those de- from that defense and bringing them all down using the same system, except. For one of the most important decisions of the Pete Carroll era up there was, hey, we got a kid who's talented. Wow, he's ready to go sooner than we thought. Let's start Russell Wilson. Why Gus Bradley isn't doing the same thing is, is perplexing. The only, thing I, only thing I can think of is that they don't want to throw him out there with the you know the team struggling around him and early failure. How will he be able to handle that? But you know, the, compared to the Seattle situation, that team was pretty well built, and then they dropped the quarterback in there. This mm-hmm. would be more of a situation yeah. where you drop the quarterback in, you still got a lot of building to do around him. Um, but, I mean, look, my thing is just from uh, trying to be competitive week in, week out, Blake Bortles can move around. Mm-hmm. And as much heat as they've been getting from pass rush, you can move the pocket with him. You can do some different things. I think – I do believe at this point in time, after a couple games, he gives you a better chance to win ball games. Now it comes down to just the development of him. Are you going to stun his growth if you put him out there and he gets hit a bunch? 
Well, I mean, like we said, and, you know, Coach uh, Brian Billick said when we did our uh, our big summit, our our preseason. Oh, he believes in playing. Supercast. Yeah. He said, it's Chad Henney. I mean, he said it with such disdain in his voice. He said, <laughs> what, are, what are we talking about? Who are these journeymen that we're choosing to put a Matt Castle? He's not going to take you to the Super Bowl. May as well get let the kid. How much does uh, how much debate is there around the NFL among personnel guys about it? Because it seems like a very baseball kind of mentality not 21st century NFL thinking that we're going to damage this kid's psyche by letting him play. I mean, how many kids have suffered from that, have been have been damaged beyond repair because they played behind uh, a crummy line or played on a bad team and lost too many? It didn't hurt Troy Aikman, as a, for instance. Yeah, I mean, obviously everybody looks at David Carr and points to yeah, that, right. and he got shell-shocked. And we, in Baltimore, um, we threw Kyle Bowler in there right away. And that wasn't necessarily a thing where the team wasn't good enough for him to go in there. That was him not being ready, you know, mm-hmm. not being ready to play. So, you, but I don't know if Kyle Boyd would have waited two years and played. I don't That's know. That's what I was just going to ask you. I don't know if it had been any different. He just didn't have it. So, um, you can always find examples on those things. Uh, you know, some of it I think a little bit of it is just you're nervous. You know, man, it's 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 that nice chip to have hope, right? You you, you throw Blake Bortles out here after you've lost two games in a row. And then he struggles for three or four games as your your fan. What else do you have to hope for? But if he's still kind of out there, and you're in week six or seven, you're zero and six, you're zero and seven. You're going, but man, we might get to see Blake Bortles here. Boom! You drop him in the lineup week eight, week nine, week ten. He shows you some positive signs. It kind of gives you more hope, you know, going through the season as opposed to him coming in and now you you lose ten of your last you know twelve games or what have you. As far as that goes, like I said at the top, it feels to me like every year we fall into this good bad conundrum with with teams with players and it's a product of having only 120 minutes worth of game film to look at on any given team so some teams came out and were flat and they they, you know for whatever reason they didn't win in week one and then in week two they have what appears to be this bizarre bounce back like where did that team come Where, where how did the chargers lose to arizona but then they can beat seattle is the example that keeps coming to mind um, you know, the Browns win in week two against the Saints. That's a pretty impressive victory. You can go up and down the board here. Um, is that is that is there conversation behind the scenes with do you know are the head coaches saying to to their gang, to their players in the locker room during the week, guys, if we lose here, we're 0 2 and we're doomed. What is that what how do you, how do they couch that to these guys to get them up? Because some of these teams will be completely irrelevant yeah. in five or six weeks, and they'll just lay down, I would think, or they won't put up as much fight. Well, you got to balance it. I mean, you got to balance between knowing, hey, this is an important game. You don't want to use the term must win because right. it's, it's not a must win. But you, you don't want them to come out there so tight and thinking everything's on the line, but you want to balance out with the importance of the moment. That's a tricky thing to do for, for a head coach. And to me, when you look at the teams that needed to bounce back from, from last week to this week, I think we talked about it on last week's pod, talking about the Baltimore Ravens. You you open up the season with two home divisional games. Yep, that was that's that would have been a one. crusher right. if you lose that one. You're zero and two, dropping two home divisional games. That's tough to recover from. So you know the, the term must win doesn't apply because it's not you know must win get in the playoffs. That's what a must. I win always game say is. Mu- right. I, I I if I actually said the word must win, then I apologize to the listener because I have bemoaned that phrase yeah. many times. The only game that is must win is the one that if you lose it, you, you don't, don't get play to anymore. play anymore. Yeah. Right? That's must win. That, that's correct. So there were a lot of teams, though, that, that we saw. You know, Dallas, I mean, it was kind of funny because I didn't really put it together at the time, but I'm sitting here going, man, that's 
you give them a lot of credit because their defense played far greater than anything I ever expected from them. They ran the ball really well. That's kind of a formula I think maybe they can sure. use. It'll work going forward. And it's just positive, positive, positive. And then it just kind of looks at you kind of look at it and you go, the Cowboys are one and one. They're perfectly on track for their fourth straight <laughs> eight and eight season. Yeah, it's so true. Um, well, let's go back to that Baltimore and Pittsburgh game then, because in the ensuing hours, and uh, in case this is your first listen to the Dave Damashek football program, I do not hide the fact that I am born and raised in Pittsburgh and therefore a Steelers fan. Um, in the, you know, let's say 12 hours, 24 hours after Thursday night's game, so much negativity for a team that is one and one. And I saw, I see what everybody else sees. This team is fundamentally flawed at the defensive line, especially with what Dick LeBeau wants to do. I think now in hindsight, we need to go back and erect a statue of Casey Hampton for his uh, his decade or more of greatness there. And wow, that that statue would be six feet tall and six feet (laughs) wide. (laughs) Well, that guy, I mean, you know, for a decade and before that, you know, that's obviously what the 70s were predicated on, too. But especially with Dick LeBeau. Don't let the team run. Make them one-dimensional, and then you unleash the pass rush, and it covers up. You just get some physical corners that are going to hold their guys up at the line for a second, and then it's hard to to have big plays against you, and, in fact, you make big plays with the pass rush. But when you take away the ability to, to just stop the run and make that a foregone conclusion early in the game, then you tend to struggle. But that being said, so they're flawed in the middle. They're soft. They got a soft underbelly. The edge rush didn't look all that great in that game either, though. But Dave. isn't that based on – I mean, isn't that – again, uh, doesn't that go back to Casey Hampton, Brett Kiesel, Aaron Smith in the heyday being able to consume all the would-be blockers and freeing up the uh, – the, I don't know. I think linebackers. that I think that helps you put you know get put in more long yarded situations, gives you more pass rush opportunities. But when they did have pass rush opportunities in that game, I didn't really see them winning one on one on the outside. I mean, not not to the tune of what it used to look like. Well, so are you? So let's play it first of all with the Baltimore Ravens. I feel like this is a team, especially if the Browns are halfway decent. This is a t- and, and we're going to find out this weekend because week three. If you haven't looked yet, do yourself a favor. Dig up the schedule. We have got some wonderful games awaiting our eyeballs here. One of them, the Ravens at the Browns, I, is is tremendous, really, you know, to see if the Browns can keep this going. And by the way, keep in mind, the Browns, if it weren't for that fourth quarter fake punt by the Steelers that was successful and still was not a great idea to do that in that, <laughs> in that situation in their own territory, if that doesn't work out, the Browns are likely 2-0 and right now. And so now you have the Ravens. So, Glass half empty, glass half full. We'll start with the Ravens, yep. DJ. You do the glass half full part of them. Glass, what do you think of these uh, of this Browns team? I mean, the, this the Ravens. Ravens team. The glass half full for the for the Ravens. A couple things here. We saw them be more physical up front, run the ball better week two, be more committed to it, have a balanced approach. That was the big knock from week one. I don't know what they were thinking, throwing the ball 62 times. Mm-hmm. And Gary Kubiak's first game was off in the coordinator. But you saw more balance in week two. That's a good thing going forward. Steve Smith has been quick to gel with Joe Flacco. Steve Smith obviously still has plenty left. You're seeing Pitta, the things the he can do. The game is not played in Studio 66. There he is, our pal Steve Smith. I'm there happy for his success. I wish it weren't in Baltimore, though, at the expense of the Steelers. But it comes just in time right after the Tory Smith retirement, which I missed over the summer. <laughs> that, what that, happened to that, that guy? That Where was, did he go? But see, I was going to spin that positively, is that now you're coming off of a big win where you really haven't got anything out of Tory Smith. So mm-hmm. eventually – They'll figure out a way to get him more involved, you know, over the top. 
My thing is you got to be committed to the run game for Torrey Smith to be effective. If you're just going to go back there and throw it a bunch, Torrey Smith's not going to wow you with his route running ability. His big thing is getting on top of people with his raw speed, making plays down the field. That works off of play action when you can successfully run the football. So that I, I think there's time coming where you'll see some more of him in this offense. My half-empty view is that this was a game, like you say, and it, it's positive in the short term, that they were able to rise up, it, you know, adverse circumstance. Obviously, you know what was going on off the field last week with the Ravens and all over the NFL. And so this team probably, again, felt like if we, we're not just going to be 0-2 if we lose this game. We're going to be 0-2 in the division with two home losses to divisional foes. In other words, pretty much realistically – I don't know what's going to have to happen for us to get into the playoffs as anything other than a wild card at best. I mean, I don't know how we would get over that. So so they rose up and they took care of business, and there are a couple of places there are in most NFL games that had they gone, uh, you know, the other way, if a couple of calls here, if a turnover early in the game for the Steelers had gone the other way, this thing's the nip and tuck affair, as most of these Raven-Steelers games are. And who knows how we're talking. As it is now, though, the buzz, one of the things in Pittsburgh is – is Dick LeBeau finally, as the game passed him by, this happens every year when the Steelers' defense doesn't come out of the gate looking good. And I hate to indulge this conversation. He's in the Hall of Fame. But, in fact, you say not a great-looking pass rush. Are, is it a personnel issue or is it a scheme issue with the Steelers? Jimmy's and Joe's, X's and O's, right? That's kind of the old the old saying. And I, I've, you know, coming from the personnel side of things, I've always believed that, you know, it's more about the Jimmys and Joes. Hmm. So I, I just don't know who the, the dominant players they have coming off the edge, which that defense is predicated on. You touched on the fact you don't have a, a clogger in the middle to stop the run. Shazier's shown you some flashes I get excited about. Timmons has been a little bit up and down. You see the athleticism with those two. Um, the secondary, I mean, the, the penalties – you know, we could debate that all day long. I thought a couple of those were tough calls. I mean, the one in the end zone that was on tough Mike one. Mitchell was ludicrous, but that's not what lost them the game. So yeah. I, but the, the secondary, the, the, the thing that's kind of troubled me a little bit with them, just the overall tackling. I mean, the tackling with the Steelers, that was you caught the ball. You might catch the ball, but you're going to get hit hard, and they're going to wrap you up and get you on the ground. Troy Palomalo was the one wild card. You see him with some flyby missed tackles, just kind of playing mm-hmm. uh, reckless as he does. But he was the only one. Man, they had a lot of missed tackles in that game the other night. And Mike Mitchell, too, with terrible angles, too. Troy Palomalu is running all over the place with his cut off, with his head cut off, and it looks like Mike Mitchell's doing the same thing. Yeah, and, and of course, no turnovers is what continues to ail this and team. But without a pass rush, a while, what are you going to do? Yeah. That's been going on for a while. I still, though, say that when you have – What does Snoop think, by the way? Did he weigh in the other night? <laughs> I, I didn't check in with the uh, with the so-called greatest Steelers fan in the world, even though he lives 4,000 miles is he, away Is he writing them. for the Pittsburgh Post? Gazette now? What, what's the name of the paper there? I don't know what he does. Yeah, he writes for the Post Gazette. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what he does. Yeah. He started Come on, a new player. <laughs> what's that? What's up with that? I don't <laughs> know what uh, what my take on Deion Sanders' famous little segment has to do with anything. But, um, you know, <laughs> first of all, it, it took a lot. You were a man. You conducted yourself like a man conducts himself, Daniel Jeremiah. When over the weekend or on Thursday night when you were watching Levy and Bell, you penned me on Twitter a heartfelt apology. For you want to read that? For well, I don't have it in front of me, but you, but you mentioned that you said like you know sincere apology for doubting your comparison of Levy and Bell to Shady McCoy. As being as being as being as being is labeling it as ridiculous comparison. Yes, I'll be honest with you, Dave. I've you know you're watching trying to keep up as many teams as you can and watching it, and I 
you know, saw Le'Veon Bell a little bit early in the year and, and just, you know, didn't really give it a deep study. I haven't studied him on tape. Then we're watching that game the other night, and I'm like, if you'd have told me that was Le'Veon Bell from what I saw at Michigan State when he was 240 pounds coming out of college and he slimmed down a little bit for mm-hmm. the combine. Last year he probably played at 235. If you ask me to guess, just after having watched tape for a, a lot of years and in body typing, he looks like he's 215 pounds. He looks like he's lost 25 or 30 pounds. Doesn't he look like the same guy? Boy, he, I mean, he, yeah, he just looks super. I mean, I, we're talking about NFL football players. We're talking about professional athletes, but he looks uber athletic. The figure he cuts, and that's not what he was in college. No. That's what's so funny. He was just a pounder. He was kind of a a power back, and can, he had a little bit of a gliding style to him. Kind of a little. Larry Johnson type hmm. mold, and then now he's like he looks more like a scat back. So I, I, asked, I, I, I manned up. I apologize to you. You compared him to Deuce McAllister. I compared him to Shady McCoy. I asked Bucky Brooks, uh, our pal and fellow scout, uh, what his comparison was, and he went with Stephen Jackson, which bummed me out. That was, that was, was bigger closer guy. to yours. But yeah. see, he's again. Me and Bucky have spent all that time breaking him down at Michigan State. Um, so that that's the guy that we reference. Well, point is, and I'll do glass half full on the Steelers. Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. You can make a case that those are top six players at each of their positions. Plus, Marcus Wheaton looks very good, very yep. promising. Heath Miller is good. Six a, points. A decent, yeah, decent offensive line. I know six points, but it's hard to imagine that you're going to shut that offense down. I mean, the Lions had seven points in Carolina on Sunday. So the, the all top six, right? I can I can get with that. Marcus Gilbert, top sixty. Oh, I mean, was that what? What gives? That's your. I key. don't know that I've ever seen a guy completely. I've seen guys take charges all the time where they just get flat backed by a pass rusher. I don't see it very often where they get you get flat backed and they still get the sack while they're laying on top of you. I mean, it's really bad. And the Steelers they just gave an extension. They and Cortez Allen. They've just now yeah. spent uh, tens of millions of dollars to, to secure. Me. The reason they did it is because it didn't happen in a vacuum. It's informed by them losing Keenan Lewis a couple of years ago to New Orleans after a gangbusters um, contract year. They don't want the same thing to happen with Cortez Allen because they would literally have William Gay and William Gay alone on the roster at cornerback if they lost Cortez Allen. Be, unless they there is a draft. Every, there is a draft every ah, year. Well, what are they going to do? Are they going to draft uh, four uh, cornerbacks? I got. Well, they, they might do Atlanta, that anyway. Atlanta did it the other day. That were, that's worked out really well. They look good on defense. Uh, well, that's what, well, that was the next team to play glass half empty, glass half full with because uh, you saw a tremendous performance against <laughs> – a, a a team a lot of people don't think of as a contender, the 0-2 Saints now, but they beat them in week one. Then they get just beaten up by Cincinnati. Glass half full, DJ, on the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Glass half full is Julio Jones is healthy, mm-hmm. and he is explosive. He leads the league right now and catches over 20 yards, I believe. Um, so you've got him back, and, and you look at all the different weapons they have in their passing game. I think they're going to be equipped to win some shootouts with a lot of teams. I think they can – uh, be a team that gets you to, you know, maybe even nine wins, you know, w- with what they can do offensively. Now, I'm supposed to be the glass half full guy, so I will say positive spin on the fact they're the only team without a sack in the NFL is that they have the most room to improve, and that's a good thing. 
Well, here's another one. See, I can help you out. I don't have to always be cynical. I can tell you they're in a division with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who people thought were going to be contenders. You have to rob Peter to pay Paul if Tampa was much better in 2014, then somebody has to pay the price for that in the division. If that's not the case, though, then maybe they get two wins there. They're already one up in the head-to-head with the Falcons. It's interesting to me that the that division, that there are three teams. You keep up with the Joneses, and we've talked about that from a personnel standpoint and how you sort of attack the the big kid on the block, the bully on the block, the AFC East phenomenon. How do we directly – how do we directly – take care of the Patriots if we're one of those other three teams? Do we go, do we try to match them and keep up with the Joneses or do we try to counter them Joe Frazier versus Muhammad Ali style? It's interesting. Tampa seems like their goal is we need pieces on offense, playmakers Mm -hmm. and everything else to keep up with New Orleans and with the Falcons, and they're the Carolina Panthers, who to me look decimated. Especially, I didn't Greg see that. Hardy they, I didn't out see there them looking Sunday. this good through two weeks. What gives? How is this team? Yeah, I mean that's that's the weird thing to me. I, I thought Tampa was going to be the team that took that step forward, but the two the difference between the two teams really, obviously, the quarterback play has been a little bit better, um, even with with uh, Derek, Derek Anderson, Anderson yeah. playing there. But the big difference to me is that the offensive line, the new pieces for the Carolina Panthers have gelled together quickly, more quickly than what we've seen down in Tampa. Tampa's not very good up front on the offensive line, and they're good in a lot of other areas. I mean, you look at what they have on the outside on offense. Uh, Gerald McCoy now with a broken hand, though. You know, he's he's a big-time player. Levante David, they've got two safeties. They have a lot of talent on that football team, but if you, if you don't get great quarterback play and you can't protect your quarterback, you're going to have issues. It's also, it goes back to what I said uh, in the middle of last season. We talk about you know, quarterback league and uh, the line of scrimmage is everything. And really what it comes down to for me is depth. That's what wins now. You watch the 49ers on Sunday night. Now they end up losing the game. But the fact that they're still relevant, the fact that they house Dallas in week one, and then it looks like until Kaepernick starts giving the ball away, they're going to beat the Bears and be 2-0 here without the pieces, the, the key pieces on defense. And then I realized, oh, yeah, some teams just draft better. You know, Corey Lemonier is a fine replacement. You can get by with him out there, whereas other teams, like as, a, for instance, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have zero depth, if anybody goes down, you're suddenly decimated. Um, so depth is everything, and apparently the Panthers, the reason we could see some of those guys move on and think, why? what are the Panthers doing? This is going to be a down year. They're obviously saddled with those running back contracts. Whole and now they, and now they have to fall back. They keep on going there. And Calvin Benjamin, I believe it was you who mentioned his great catch radius uh, yeah, is going to really be, uh, you know, especially useful with Cam Newton and his inaccuracy slinging the ball. But he did pay that off. How about the throw, though? That was the throw of the day to me was Cam Newton's touchdown pass to Jason Avant. He literally he's in the clear. He threw it so hard. He knocked him over <laughs> with how hard he threw the ball. I was like, oh, there are sometimes, I said on TV, there are sometimes where you make catches and there's sometimes the ball catches you. <laughs> he had yeah. no choice. That ball swallowed him. Um, but all right, so we're now half empty on, uh, let's get back to the Falcons here. The, you know, yeah, fine. They can, they, can outshoot, they can outshoot you if you get into that kind of game. But, you know, it's a weird thing that it's, it's hard to sort of um, quantify versus – Big-time offensive numbers. It, it, but last year, I said, 
and it wasn't me being obstinate to say I think the Seahawks are going to beat the Broncos in the Super Bowl. I just think they're going to out-physical them. It still is hard to conjure in, in your gut like that, that that's going to happen because you can't quantify brawn. Yeah. You can quantify, hey, this this offense scores 40-something a game. How are you going to stop that? It just it, it just goes away if you have a more physical team against you. And the Bengals, they, they, they shamed the Falcons' offense. And it's not really – an indictment of Matt Ryan, I guess, but it also calls into question this thing that everybody got over their skis with a week ago. See, he is elite, Dave. You just don't understand what a great quarterback looks like. Well, it's a major kryptonite to me that if you get pressure on a guy that he just falls apart, which Matt Ryan did on Sunday. Who did they beat week one? The Saints. Who beat the Saints week two? I know it. Isn't that, that – that's exactly right. And what – and you know what? The AFC North – is doing the old school routine here. Who did, you know, the Browns beat the Saints, you mm-hmm. know, the, 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 so in by the transitive property, what does this say about the Saints? I'm not exactly sure, but, um, that the, the Bengals could do that to, uh, to the Falcons. Um, here's by the way, but yeah, I mean the, the, the physical nature of, of all those teams, the Browns and Bengals and Ravens against these, these high powered offenses, you know, they expose them. It's just soft. That's true. I mean, no. It's, it's, I mean, no, that's it's, a it's, it's just a it's just a physical brand of football. We we're just watching here as they're getting ready to kick off here pretty soon with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Colts, and they were showing Sanchez warming up. And I was going to ask you about your your trade scenarios. Ah, there you if go. If you're the Eagles, say you get before the trade de- trade deadline, you still look like you're gonna you know you're in control of your destiny. You're gonna win the division, have a good shot to win your division, be a playoff team. More valuable to have Sanchez as your insurance policy. Or are you better off spinning him off to a team? Maybe there's a team that has an injury at the position um, and you get a chance to get something for him that, that can maybe help you right now. Well, you can answer that better than me because you've kept your eye on Matt Barkley, what he's done since he arrived in Philly. What's the buzz there? Is he is well, Does he have any ability to go into a game and be effective? Well, I think Sanchez is way ahead of him. Um, Barkley that's, was throwing. That's all you, I think that's all you need to say. Yeah, you just you said the words Sanchez is way ahead of him. That's not good news Sa- for Well, this offense is quarterback friendly now. I think Sanchez, if he got a chance to play in the Chip Kelly system, he'd do really well. Hmm. Really How about do. that? I really do. It's, I mean, I, we ta- I think we talked about this last week on the podcast, but, you know, if you ever question the impact of coaching, if you ever doubted that from Mike Singletary to Jim Harbaugh, the early returns at least from Lane Kiffin to Steve Sarkeesian and so on, you, the, you know, these teams, a, a good coach, real, it's remarkable to me. It's just, You talk about, what did you call them, the Jacks and Joes? It's, it's Jimmy's and Joes versus Jimmy's and Joes, but obviously you get the right guy like Chip Kelly. Yeah, in those are rare, though. To me, it's those, those coaches that make that drastic of a difference – if if I had my choice, I'm always take the most talented team, and then you know, secondary would be having the great coach. Glass half full. Barry Chicago Switzer. Barry, Barry Switzer won a Super Bowl. Okay, <laughs> but but that's uh, listen. I could have won a Super Bowl. I might have won two if I were the head coach of that Cowboys. Jimmy's team. and Joes. Barry Switzer directly cost them four straight. Ask Michael Irvin about that. He gets he'll, hot about that. He'll tell you that they should have won four or five in a row. Maybe five is going too far, but I don't four. disagree with him that they should have really won four in a row. Wow. If, if Jimmy Johnson and Jerry Jones could have worked out whatever little nonsense they had going between each other, they would have won at probably at least three straight, maybe four in a row. All right, half full. Chicago Bears with their quarterback, who I declared preseason would be the NFL MVP, Jay Cutler. Well, I heed your advice, and I uh, I drafted him for my fantasy team. So I was I was glad to see him do well the other night. No, they're 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 going to be a challenge for people just because 
you have a big-time quarterback. You've got the weapons on the outside. You've got the running back. The offensive line is very underrated. They did a great job of fixing that last year. They have a great play caller. Defensively, being opportunistic. I don't think, you know, down in, down out, they're that great up in their front seven. So you need to be opportunistic. We saw it with the rookie Kyle Fuller getting his hands on two passes in the second half of that game. That's kind of the formula they're going to need going forward. And the interesting thing with the Bears is they opened up, they lost to Buffalo, right? Mm-hmm. Then they go play San Francisco. Even though San Francisco's missing some pieces, those are two really, really good defenses. Wait till they start getting in these NFC North games with secondaries that they're going to be able to carve up. Um, you're going to see Jay Cutler and company put up some big stats. But I want to go real I agree quick. with that, absolutely. So that's it's going to get easier. And then I want to go real quick, though, to Buffalo with what they've done. I tweeted. All right, let me just say this, though. The half-empty for the Bears, and I loved what Jay Cutler was able to pull off. I don't know why it took them 30 minutes. It was weird to me that it took Tressman and Cutler and, and the pass catchers to figure it out. But once they started going at those corners, that was – I mean, I said that all week leading up to it. And by the way, I pat myself on the back. You've done a lot of that today, by the way. So what? I said Jay Cutler, four touchdown passes in the win in San Francisco. People scoffed. What are you, insane, Damashek? No, indeed. I was right on. And uh, and we'll see what happens with Cutler over the long haul. The downside, and this isn't really an indictment of the Bears, but again, the 49ers I, – I, I don't know what to make of this team. They should be unstoppable on offense, and yet they are not. And defensively, they should be Swiss cheese, and they're hanging in somehow. I can't make any sense of how they're doing it, but like I say, maybe it's just a matter of depth. and It's identity, too, just kind of how you build your team, the identity of your football that team. That doesn't make sense, though. It that does. does, it that does. Doesn't it's ma- a culture. That's it's the a sort culture. of thing someone like me would be saying. No, that no, no, a personnel not, guy it's, says it's, that's poppycock. It's not true. It's not true. And that I say that because of my time. In Baltimore, it didn't matter how many defensive players we let go in free agency. Adelius Thomas gone, Bart Scott left, Ed Hartwell left. You know, we, we uh, Gary Baxter left. On and on and on and on. They all left. It didn't matter. You just put in new guys, and it was just that that toughness was part of the fiber of your team, and it carried forward. Then I go to the Philadelphia Eagles. You, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles on offense, always score points. Donovan McNabb goes out, fine. Jeff Garcia goes in there, score points. A.J. Feely comes in there, don't worry, score points. That's what they do. That's their identity. So Greg Roman is is the key. I'm, I know that's not what you said, but is that the real uh, trick of things for them? Yeah, I mean, I think finding a balance and protecting the football. They want to be explosive, more explosive than they've been in the past, not just a run-heavy team get some explosive plays down the field. Kaepernick's got to protect the ball. So as a play caller, it's being able to balance those two things. All right, real quick, let's blow through a couple of these. And uh, and then we got Andrew Luck coming up for you. We played that for you last week. We caught up with him a couple of weeks ago. He proved himself to be a delightful man. We talk about uh, oatmeal. He's great. How he likes to have his oatmeal. Can I tell you about going- his cell phone? No, we talk. Here was the best question I asked him, though. If I can, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to pat myself on the back. But it's fascinating. I said. Do you consider yourself to be lucky since your name is Luck and you wear a horseshoe on the side of your hat? And uh, he had an interesting response that I didn't anticipate to that. But, yeah, we, we, we talked about it all. You'll hear that interview in a minute. So you, to, summarize, to summarize, Dave, from you on the show today, um, you know who's great? Me. That's right. So <laughs> what? I had a good week, too. What did I tell you about them Chargers? Anything anybody had them beating the, beating the Seahawks? How about Jay Cutler going into the opening of a new stadium and, and doing what he did? I got tweets halfway through the game. You schnook, I picked him up. I put him in my starting lineup because you said four touchdown passes. Now I'm going to lose. And, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, and as a mature adult, did you leave that alone? Did you not revisit it at one point in time later on in the game? Were you, were you mature enough to say, okay, they've taken a shot at me. I've mm-hmm. been proven to be correct. 
as the mature adult, I'm not going to go back on my computer and type something to them. I'm sure that's what you did, right? I don't know where you got confused with me being a mature adult. Of course I didn't do that. Of course I let them know I was right. All right, Buffalo Bills, glass half full. Glass half full, they have allowed exactly one catch over 20 yards through two games. They've allowed exactly one run over 10 yards in two games. Everybody likes to take their shots at Jim Schwartz and the Detroit Lions, and they were undisciplined. The guy is an outstanding defensive coordinator with what he's done there. Mm. And they have a lot of talent up front. Uh, their secondary, even with some injuries, they've been able to hang in there. Lose Jarius Bird in the offseason hasn't bothered them at all. I said it when I went through there. You I thought said, they're, they're you 21, said this, right? 21 of their 22 starters. I'll put them up against just about anybody. It's going to be the play of the quarterback and E.J. Manuel. Dink and dunk, dink and dunk, dink and dunk. Protect the football. They're winning games. You sang songs about their front four, their front seven. You said how good it was going to be, and so far you've been absolutely right about that. Kudos on that. E.J. Manuel, I'll try to give a tepid half-empty on that. Is I don't know what's going to be with that guy, but as long as you know he's got enough playmakers out there, like you say, don't ask him to do too much. Just put the, put the ball in their hands and let them do the rest. It's interesting. Do you think they can take down the Patriots, though? I don't think they're so. they're soft. The Patriots are soft in the middle. So many of these contenders. The Saints, I don't know if we count the Steelers as a contender, but there are a lot of teams that seem to be, or at least in another era, would be fatally flawed. You could not win the Super Bowl. You can't go deep if you can't stop a team from running the ball. But a lot of these teams that we're talking about is, oh, they're going to be fine. They'll still end up winning their division. Can't stop the run. Yeah, was, I think there's four teams that won games this week without having a rusher run for more than 40 yards. So, so I, mean, I guess maybe it doesn't matter. No, I mean, Jay Cutler out. led the Bears with 25 rushing yards, and they just wouldn't beat San Francisco. Um, all right. Any other teams jump out at you before we uh, before we get to luck here? I just wanted to make sure we cover your guys here. Yeah, we're going to wrap it up here. Black tie behind the glass. What? Uh, I don't uh, The Cowboys I want to see you. I just want to see me, you debate yourself real quick and give me a glass half full, half empty on the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> oh, those poor things. They are bad. They're, they're, they're tough, gonna, that's a tough watch. I predicted the Cowboys would have the first overall pick in the draft. They may not even be last in their division because of how bad the Giants are, but the Raiders just might be worse than all of them. Although Derek Carr looks in. He's he, doing okay. He He's doing the best right. he can. He doesn't look too bad. Last team is the two that play this weekend in this bevy of great games. I mentioned Ravens at Browns. We have the Super Bowl rematch coming up. It's going to be fun. Steelers at Panthers is intriguing. Bears at Jets is interesting. Chargers at Bills is a juicy one. Packers at Lions. NFC North shootout. Do glass half empty, glass half full. Uh, glass half full on these two teams for me. Lions coming off of a seven-point performance. Yeah, Lions, um, they've had some injuries up front along the offensive line. That that hurt them a little bit. Um, I, I think they're going to be fine, though, with all the weapons that they have. Calvin, you know, had that one touchdown kind of go through his hands when he got raked out when he was going to the ground. Different game if he Different catches game that. Different game if too. he catches that ball. Um, they're actually playing really well against the run. The secondary's played a little bit better than expected. So, look, that's, that's a tough place to go play against the Panthers. I think they're going to be fine. The Green Bay Packers. I mean, we've seen them on defense still with major holes. They're going to have to, you know, Aaron Rodgers, it's all on him now. He's, he's got to lead Again, them. Again, I know All it. on him. Well, they, they make all these moves every year on defense, and it's the same tune. It's got to come down to Aaron Rodgers winning shootouts. All right. Well, we're going to be talking with our old pal, A.J. Hawk, who stands right in the middle of that Packers defense later in the week. So we'll look forward to catching up with him. At least his team's off to Schneid, so that's good. Packers ultimate. I mean, but, yeah, like you say, Bears, Packers, Lions, that is not NFC North 
brand of football or style or whatever, but all those games should just be 40 to 38 beauties. It's going to be fun. Before I, before I leave you there, Dave, just tell me that nobody else will hear it. It's just me. Mm-hmm. But we've talked about you having two spinoff podcasts. You've yes. got the Around the League guys. Right. Or Around the NFL guys, correct. correct? And you've got the Move the Sticks podcast. Who's your favorite? You. Thank you. Yeah. Definitely you, because I, you know, what? I didn't really, I didn't really doubt it. I just needed to hear it. Yeah. Well, there you have it. You see any of them sitting in here right I now? I don't. I do no, not. No, you do not. No, you do not, Daniel Jeremiah. You keep your chin up. All right. Listen, Daniel Jeremiah doing gangbusters work all over NFL media on the network, on the dot com, on now, and now on podcasts, the Dave Damashek Football Program, and his own Move the Sticks. He, had, he keeps getting good guests, too. I don't like that. How come he gets so much better guests? Although we have A.J. Hawk this week, so that's uh, so that's not true uh, this week, at least. We, uh, we'll catch up with our pal later in the week. Plus, Elliot Harrison, Handsome Hank, and I will get together in here in Studio 66. Maximum strength! Or just new Studio 66. Thank you, Black Tie, for the Red Challenge flag pick segment which again i dominated in week two i expect to do the same in week three so be on the lookout for that right now though here he is the star quarterback of the indianapolis colts my conversation with him andrew luck all right here he is one of the greats in 2014 in the nfl he's brought to us by quaker it's andrew luck what's the poop fella Nothing much. Just a nice, nice day here and uh, enjoying life. All right, very good. I want to kibitz with you about all of it, but our time is short, so let's jump right into it. We'll talk about what you're doing with Quaker in just a second here. Meantime, you know, we fans, I say that you have quickly become one of the more popular players in the NFL because of your style of play. And, of course, you and the guys who came into the league 2011 and beyond, a lot of guys who have that pass and run dimension to the game. Do you like watching yourself? Do you enjoy watching highlights of yourself? Uh, you know, I, I try to stay away from watching highlights of myself. I don't think I enjoy it. You, you know, we watch so much film of ourselves throughout the weeks or throughout the years. I think we become numb to, you know, to be able to watch watch us do anything from a from a for pleasure, I should say. Mm. <laughs> so it's always a, with a critical eye. But you like, well, listen, the one highlight, if there's any in your playing history, I bet it's the one-handed catch you made at Stanford, right? Uh, I guess that, that was a, that was fun to be able to play receiver for a play. Yeah, <laughs> Who uh, do you like in uh, watching any of those guys I referred to, that uh, 21st century hybrid-type quarterback, or do you skew more towards Peyton, Brady, and those stand-in-the-pocket types? You know, growing up, I, I loved watching Peyton and, 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 and Brady, and I loved watching Steve McNair. I always thought he was, you know, tough as nails and, and made, made some unbelievable plays. Uh, but, and, you know, it, it is fun, uh, you know, to watch to watch some of the, the runners as well, although I think, you know, the older I've gotten, the, the less you sort of watch as a fan mm-hmm. and you're, you're, the less you're able to sort of enjoy it, uh, the more you, you're watching the defense or, or whatever. And, it's you know, it's 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 – it's just part of the business. I think you, you, you've, you've been trained to, to watch everything with a, you know, with a, well, if we were doing it, how would we, how would we do that? So uh, it's a little different now. I got you. You know, they still play the Pro Bowl. I say let's go the NBA route or the Major League Baseball route and do some skills type stuff. Who would win if we lined up all the QBs and said let's do a 40-yard dash? You, Russell Wilson, Kaepernick, Tannehill, Newton, who would win that race? <laughs> that, is a, that is a good question. I think you go uh, – Go to the combine numbers. Uh, I'm pretty sure Robert Griffin ran the fastest 40, so I'd 
probably have to give him the nod. Who do you think would lose between Peyton, Brady, and Rivers? <laughs> I don't know. They don't need to run fast. They throw, <laughs> they throw balls and win games. <laughs> I see. All right. Fair enough. You're letting the uh, the older fellows off the hook there. But I mentioned Stanford a second ago. Do you think, because uh, that's been the buzz the last few years, and he has, uh, he has rebuked the advances, do you think uh, David Shaw will ever take a shot at the NFL? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's my place to to say if he will or won't. I know he's you know he's a Stanford alum. I know I know uh, being a Stanford alumnus myself, we're very proud to have him as our head coach. He's perfect for the job, so hopefully he stays there uh, forever. But you know, I, I understand it's not my decision to make. It's his decision to make. And if he keeps you know keeps up the great success he's had, I'm sure many many opportunities will come knocking. But. Uh, but you know, I don't know if it's my you know my place to say if he, he should stay or go. I, I, we'd love him to stay, though, of course. All right, fair enough. But here is something you can weigh in on: as one of the proudest uh, Stanford Cardinal alumni from the football program, you and Elway, maybe you two could put your heads together and and say something to the program about this. Those black uniforms have to go, man. It's enough. <laughs> you, you have the cool, the red ones with the white pants and white hat. That's all you need. You don't need that that black nonsense. I, I love the classic red and white. It's simple, but I think it's fun for the guys to be able to wear black once a year. I, 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 I know I enjoyed it, and I think the guys get a kick out of it. All right, fair enough. How about this? You are well known for your Mennonite-style beard. I would love, I don't know why I have this as a fantasy, but I would love to shave you sometime. Can I do it? You know, you're going to have to ask my girlfriend first. But she, Oh, she likes to do it herself? She likes to take the blade out there? I think it's something you need permission from her to do that. All right. Okay, so uh, tell me what you're doing now with Quaker. Sounds like uh, cool stuff. Yeah, no, so third year in a row. had the honor, the pleasure to team up with Quaker uh, and their partner, you know, Fuel Up to Play 60. We're doing a, a contest, Make the Play contest, at QuakerMakeThePlay.com. Uh, families, you know, in the fall, families go online, sign up, show us how you're getting creative, how you're how you're getting outside, being active, making up games, uh, and a chance for a sort of day of fun with me in the off season. The, the, the grand prize would go around and, and eat some good breakfast, eat eat, eat some oats, mm-hmm. and uh, throw throw a football around and, and play some of the games that, that these folks have created. So so a, a fun way to to encourage you know families really to, to get outside together and uh, and, and uh, enjoy themselves. Well, that does sound like fun, and maybe we could start. The, it's not the most novel idea, but my quarterback foot race is pretty fun. There you go. There's the, there's the first one. Yeah, that's just, the baseline. Just got to get the people involved now. I got you. Yeah, we just had, that's our baseline established. Now beat that uh, world out there. So uh, so participate in that. That sounds like good stuff. Do you are you a fan of uh, eating the oats? I, I grew up on the oatmeal. That was uh, Mo Damashek's. That was her special treat before sending me off to school each day. I grew up on them as well. I, I still eat them every breakfast, actually. I'm, I'm a little weird. I put yogurt on mm. my oatmeal, but uh, it's the way I like it, and I guess I'm sort of proud of it now. A lot of fruit, too, <laughs> but it, it's, it's a part of my breakfast, absolutely. Boy, I'll tell you, you're a likable fella, but you and I don't park our cars in the same garage on many things, and I I am uh, obstinate. In, I do not like fruit mixed in with my oatmeal. I'm not a fan of that move. Well, I think you're missing out on one of the finer things in life. Okay, so after I shave you, I'll put fruit in your oatmeal, but none for my for me then. Okay, it's a deal. Okay, good. And uh, and also, do you? I, I think it would be funny, sort of like you know, being a woman named Roxanne and not knowing the police have a song about that. Do you consider yourself lucky? Do you believe in luck? Ah, that's a that is a tough 
deep question. It I, is. You know, I, I've, I've avoided saying luck. I say fortune most hmm. of the time. I don't. I, I think it's. I just. It sounds weird when it comes from me or my siblings or my parents or cousins. You know, I think we all sort of say fortune for some reason. That's a weird move. I would think you would do like Donald Trump. He he uh, trademarked you're fired. You could certainly trademark anyone saying good luck. That should be your move. That might be a stretch. That might be a stretch. <laughs> I, I might give it. It is pretty neat, though, that you get to wear the horseshoe on the side of your hat, and you are, and your last name is uh, Luck, right? Yeah, my uh, my sisters were super stoked about that when I was drafted by Indianapolis. So. Yeah, very strange. <laughs> yeah, it is. Who did you? Uh, but you grew up, or at least spent some time, um, or your, your old man at least spent time with the Houston Oilers. That's where I remember watching him toil. Who was your favorite Houston Oiler? growing up beside your dad you know i uh you know i wasn't he had he had retired by the time i was born uh, and we never really lived in houston until high school so i so i wasn't a huge oilers fan per se but but earl campbell would you know would have been my favorite i guess oh yeah he'd be terrific and maybe listen with all due respect to uh, the guys you have standing behind you in indianapolis now imagine earl campbell running behind andrew luck that would be uh that would be devastating he was very special um, and uh, last thing, uh, we, we just uh, over the summertime when the World Cup was going on and all of that sort of thing, we cobbled together if, and of course you, you probably heard uh, when LeBron James decided to go back to Cleveland as well, we decided to consider what would happen if all the NFL players went back to their hometowns and played in an NFL Cup, a World Cup-style tournament. You won't be surprised to learn L.A., Miami, the Texas towns all had good teams. But if something like that, if there was a World Cup for football, where would you go? Where, where, what nation do you think you would want to play for? Well, the United States, of course. Not Germany. What if Tom Brady won the gig over you and, and uh, they said, well, Germany, you can come out here and play. Would you do that? No, I, I, my allegiance is 100% to the U.S., uh, I love it. USA. See, he's a patriot. Well, he's not He's not a New England patriot. He's an American patriot. <laughs> even better. Andrew Luck, as uh, advertised, you are delightful, even though you eat uh, fruit on your oatmeal. I wish you nothing but the best. And, again, talking about uh, Quaker Oats, make sure you get in there. Day of play and uh, and come up with some clever ideas there. Invent your own sports. That's what we did growing up, right? I assume that's what you had to do as a kid growing up, right, over in Germany and inventing your own fun. Well, and in Germany it was like you're inventing American football, so because they didn't know about it, so it was, it was easy. But, yeah, it, it was fun. But check it out, QuakerMakeThePlay.com. It, it'll be fun. This American is a genius. He has come up with a great game. That was my attempt in a German accent. It wasn't very it was, good. You could, you could work on it. <laughs> there he is, everybody, quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts, Andrew Luck. Thanks for the time, fella. Right, take care. Dave Demashev. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainer, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.